Good morning. My name is John Relly. I'm the lead pastor here. It's a joy to be with you. Kids, are you here? I hear a couple. Kids, are you here? Carol, are we doing something special this morning for those that have uh, said that they want to commit to the local church? Well, could you help me? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Carol's amazing. You can use this mic. It's right here. It's on a stand. I don't know if y'all know Carol. She's our assistant pastor. She runs, she does, she really pastors the church. So thanks, Carol. I'm a little short. So you can raise it down. I, <laughs> Sorry, Katie, you're gonna have to adjust your mic when you come back. <laughs> um, we had a couple people that decided they wanted to be um, not partner, not members, partners with Mission Vineyard. We just wanted to say thank you and kind of um, acknowledge them. So if let's see, Israel, Bruce, and Daniel and Janie, would you come up here? Israel, come up. We want to pray for those that uh, have said, yeah, I want to partner with the church. Partnership in Mission Vineyard isn't anything except, hey, know that I'm riding with you. This is my boat. And so I'm accountable to you, you're accountable to me, and we're going to support one another. So would you all just pray with us for these folks? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the folks here that said, yeah, this is, this is the team I want to... I want to run with. This is the boat I want to be on as we cross this long-distance kingdom work that you have us, God. I bless right now in the name of Jesus these new partners that have said yes. I ask your blessing on them as they continue to say yes and open up all the gifts that you have for them, Lord, for the sake of your body, building up your body, gift by gift, bone by bone, part by part. Lord, build up your church. Fill them with your Holy Spirit for this work, I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for saying yes. You didn't know you're getting a special gift today. It's super special. Uh, Carol left, so I'm going to tell you that we love when people say yes to saying, yeah, this is my church. And... uh, there's no discounts on funerals or anything like that. Um, it's just partnership. It's just yes to partnership. So we have uh, another lunch coming up in two weeks. Is that right, Carol? Where you can find out what that partnership looks like. And it's just uh, uh, for you, I don't know what generation would understand this. Uh, it's a... We're, we're, it's a um, DTR. defining the relationship. If you've ever been in a weird relationship and you go, are we dating? Are we together? Are we married? Hopefully it hasn't gone that far. Um, This is what we're doing as a church. We're just doing a DTR. What's going on? So in two weeks, we'll have a lunch. If you would like to be a part of that lunch, you can email info at missionvineyard.org. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
thank you for this church family. Thank you for the picnic that we get to have, for Pablo that's got the uh, pulled pork sandwiches getting ready across the street and, and all the setup and uh, all the team members making that happen. Lord, come by your Holy Spirit. Do more than we could ever imagine this morning. We want to follow you. Church, would you read this verse with me? This is 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's do it one more time. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is what God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you, that you be able to be thankful in every single circumstance. For some of you, this is like, what do you mean I have to be thankful in every circumstance? Does that mean I have to be like happy in front of you even when I'm not happy? No. Does that mean I have to accomplish the greatest things in the world and Woo, I'm the best and greatest. I'm Instagrammable. No. No, there's a level of blessing that comes that God does in developing a grateful heart, in reclaiming this lost art of gratitude that I think we've lost because the expectation now for you to just be around other people is that you're Instagrammable. That your smile is just perfect. That your family is just perfect. That you've got a job worth cheering on. That you have posed together in the most perfect way with your bae. Or baby for your older ones. I'm crossing cultures today. Generations. An expectation that everything just has to be perfect. That being thankful means shooting the moon. Paul knew this, this tone with God. He knew the expectations from Psalm 103 that God, he desires to transform rivers into deserts, springs into thirsty ground. Why would God do the opposite of Instagrammable things? Fruitful land into salty wasteland. Why? Because of the wickedness of his inhabitants. He's not afraid to take away flourishing in people's lives in order to bring them back to his heart. Yet, he also desires to transform a desert into a pool, dry land into springs. Sorry, this isn't Paul. This is the Psalms. This is David. I'll read from Paul in a second. There he causes the hungry to settle there, that they should establish a city in which to thrive. They may sow fields and plant vineyards, that they should yield a fruitful harvest. Oh, let him so bless them, that they should multiply greatly. May he not let their livestock decrease. This is one of the telltale signs of a grateful heart. A grateful heart can celebrate transformed life, whether in ordinary life or extraordinary life. A, trans, a grateful heart can celebrate transformed life, whether in ordinary life or extraordinary life. Knowing that God is at work, whether you see deserts or whether you see rivers. Whether the crops have all gone or whether there is a tenfold yield. And so Paul then, as he's writing the Romans, he, he's writing to this 
this church plant in Rome, and he's got, he knows this heart, but in Rome, there's just extravagancies galore. The only way you celebrate anything in Rome is if you're willing to drink a lot about it. I mean drink a lot about it. They knew how to party hard in Rome, and that's the only thing they knew. They knew the extravagancies of gold and the celebrations of the empire, and so what was worth celebrating outside of that? And Paul tells them, he says, you know, there's other stuff that you can be grateful for even though you don't have the Colosseum for your church. God was speaking to me there. So here's what I want you to do, he says, and this is the message version. This is the version from um, an author, his name is Peterson. He says, God, God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. Church, Mission Vineyard, take your ordinary, everyday life with God helping you. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God with a grateful heart. Place it before God as an offering. You see the motion there? He's talking to the church. He's saying, I know you don't have it all. I know the empire has it. I know you're probably you're under oppression, maybe getting arrested, because you're not saying that the gospel is the Roman Empire. So here's what I want you to do. Every time you go to sleep, every time you wake up, who woke up this morning? Raise your hand. Wow, lots of grateful hearts in the room. My best example is Mylon Maymar. Every time I see him on Sunday morning, Mylon, how are you? He says, I'm great, I woke up. Paul gives the instructions to followers of Jesus. Reclaiming gratitude, reclaiming a grateful heart means these ordinary things becoming places of worship and celebration. You're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So just a moment, in your paper, you've got a space there. That space says something about being transformed. Do you know that waking up is part of God's transformation in you? You're walking around as part of God's transformation in you. You're having a job or not having a job is part of God's transformation for you. Your everyday life is part of God's transformation. I have been transformed if you've woken up today. I woke up. I've been transformed. There's opportunity for me to go, God, I lay this before you again. You gave me breath. I wish I had more while I was asleep, but you gave me breath. And so I lay it before you as an offering. You kids, I'd love for you to draw right there. And, and I, maybe you can draw transformers. How have you been transformed? What are the things? You saw some kids up here saying, waves of mercy, waves of grace. Everywhere I look, I see your face. It's beautiful, beautiful opportunity to be grateful. I'd love for you to just begin drawing there. What does the transformed life look to you? Writing there. What does a transformed life look to you? Those simple, simple things. I'm going to keep preaching, but I want you to start drawing. I want you to be distracted. My, my sermon's not all that good. So embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. 
Don't, be so, don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you don't fit into it even without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I've got a meme. I've got an Instagrammable thing this morning. I've got a hashtag. Conforming to the world gives us attitude, but being transformed gives us gratitude. I'm going to say it again because then you're going to say amen and it's going to be awesome. Conforming to the world gives us attitude. Being transformed gives us gratitude. Amen? Have you ever gone on social media and you feel drowned down, weighed down, energy sucked out of you after you were on there? Anyone? Do you know it's built that way? I had to laugh so loud this week as Facebook just said that they have a new name called Meta. And they want not only hours of your time, they want day-long experiences for you to be sucked into social media. And I just saw the life draining out of the world. Because all social media does for us is give us more to compare ourselves by. And comparison is the thief of joy. Instead, God says, don't get sucked in. Don't allow that stuff to be normalized in you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you keep on swiping through your whole entire day. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Now, we, tomorrow is All Saints Day, and there's a saint called Augustine. It's also Reformation Day. I don't have anything on Luther today for your theologian. <sighs> the disappointment just keeps on coming. But you kids, I picked out this video for you, and we're going to learn about a saint that chose just to do that, I had an experience with God. So can we play that cartoon about Augustine? So who was St. Augustine? St. Augustine lived over 1,600 years ago in northern Africa, modern-day Algeria to be exact. Why is he important? Well, for one, he was a theologian who strongly influenced the early Christian church. He helped establish the concept of original sin and of total dependence on the grace of Jesus Christ for salvation. His books are still considered classics to this day and can be found on the shelves of most bookstores and libraries. But things didn't start out so rosy for old Augustine. Born in 354 AD in the Roman province of Africa, Augustine knew from an early age the battle of light and darkness. His mother, Monica, was a devout Christian, but his father, Patricius, was a pagan, which is a fancy word for someone who didn't believe in God. His home life was likely a bit of a challenge. Eventually, despite the ardent wishes of his mother, he abandoned Christianity for the more open-minded paradigm of his father. Once at school, he became a Manichaean, a belief in the struggle between good and evil, but void of any higher power such as God. It wasn't long before he became rather wild, indulging in all sorts of sinful behavior. During this time, he uttered his infamous prayer, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. After well over a decade of vacillating between this philosophy and that philosophy, he was finally struck with the truth. One day, 
Out of thin air, he heard the voice of a child telling him to take up and read, which he took as a command to read the Bible. Scrambling for the nearest copy, he took the book in his hands and decided to read the first words his eyes fell upon. The passage he happened to read changed his life forever. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Augustine gave his life to Jesus on the spot, and nothing could have made his mother happier. Within two years, and after the death of his son, who had also given his life to Jesus, Augustine sold his inheritance and gave every last penny to the poor. His only remaining possession was the family house, which he promptly converted into a monastery. He soon became a famous preacher, most noted for combating the Manichaean religion, the very one he had followed in his youth. He was eventually ordained a priest and later made a bishop of a town called Hippo. There he worked tirelessly for the rest of his life in efforts to convince its population to believe in Jesus and live for the city of God. He died on August 28, 430 AD. He was 75 years old. To this day, St. Augustine's life and writings remain among the most influential in Christian history. His confessions expose his weakness. His letters and sermons reveal Christ's strength, and his devotion to Jesus serves as a glorious example of how to live. Anybody else know that? Anybody else hear that story? I learned better by cartoons. Thanks for watching that with me. Each one of us is faced with the same thing Augustine is. The competition with our world and what it should want for us. And then each one of us hopefully has an experience with God that says, you know what? What the world is offering you really doesn't compare with the transformation that I can make in your life. My favorite author, Henry Nouwen, he writes a book called In the Name of Jesus, and he keeps talking about uh, what he hopes for the next generation. He's passed away now, a beautiful Catholic priest, and he says this. It's not up on the screen for you. You just have to listen to my voice and not fall asleep. Beneath all the great accomplishments of our time, he says, there is a deep current of despair. Do you know that despair? Have you seen it? While efficiency and control are the great aspirations of our society, the loneliness, isolation, lack of friendship and intimacy, broken relationships, boredom, feelings of emptiness and depression, and a deep sense of uselessness fill the hearts of millions of people in our success-oriented world. This is 45 years ago he's writing this. It hasn't changed. Brett Easton's Ellis's novel, Less Than Zero, offers a most graphic de description of the moral and spiritual poverty behind the contemporary facade of wealth, success, popularity, and power. In a dramatically staccato way, he describes the life of, uh, among teenage sons and daughters of the super-rich entertainers in L.A., and the cry that arises from behind all of this is the decadence. And that decadence says, is there anybody who will love me? Is there anybody who really cares? Is there anyone who wants to stay home for me? Is there anybody who wants to be with me when I'm not in control, when I feel like crying? Is there anybody who can hold me and give me a sense of belonging? Feeling irrelevant is so much more general experience than we might think. 
when we look at our seemingly self-confident society. Medical technology, the tragic increase of abortions may radically diminish the number of mentally handicapped people in our society. He was working in a mentally handicapped home at the time. But it's already becoming more apparent that more people are suffering from a profound moral and spiritual handicap without ever having any idea where to look for for healing. And here's what he says, and he keeps on saying in the book, the leaders of the future will be those who dare to claim their irrelevance in a contemporary world as a divine vocation. Irrelevance as divine vocation. Their calling is to be so satisfied with God that Instagram doesn't matter at all. A divine vocation that allows them to enter into a deep solidarity with the anguish underlying all of the glitter of success and the bright light of Jesus right there. A grateful heart can recognize transformation, not through, I've been transformed, listen to my awesome testimony from the grave to heaven, I came in a minute and I'm awesome. No, but through the faithfulness of being able to sit and be present to those who aren't glitzy and glamorous? Are there any followers of Jesus who are willing to sacrifice their popularity for being with those that are so lost and lonely because popularity has passed them by? It takes regrowing a grateful heart and recapturing a heart of gratitude that comes from that everyday faithfulness of thank you, God, that I woke up today. Thank you, God, that when I turned the key in my car, it started. Lord, thank you when it didn't start because now I have more time with you. It's people who are popular are not going to get there. People who are successful are not going to get there. I was reading James 5 in my own devotional time, and he says, you poor people who are so successful, you'll never get the love of God. Are we willing to lay down our blitz and our glitz and our glamour in order to be present with the Lord so much that we can thank him for our breath? You have a couple of blanks there. I have been transformed. I know God has more for me than the world can give. I know God has more for me than the world can give. Mother Teresa is another one of my favorite saints. I'm going to play a video for you in just a moment, but you might have think that she was amazing, and if you read any of her biography or if you listen to any of her stories, you realize she wasn't awesome at all. And she just lived every day with this anguish of not being enough. Thank God she wasn't alive during Instagram. I think it would have taken her out. But there was a simplicity about her that came out of being in a Catholic children's home, a girl's home, that she grew out of and learned about the faithfulness of God within that community and then what that community could be for those who are suffering. I want to play for you just a clip of one of my favorite documentaries about her. Back. 
We don't go with preconceived plans. We try to discover really what the needs are. To see the place and to see if really the poor people are there. Whether they be poor materially or poor spiritually, it doesn't really make a difference. It's very simple. We get our few things together and we don't have much to carry. And we set out. We are about 1,650 sisters. At present, we have 230 houses. We are in all the continents. And we are in about 60 countries. Oh, Jesus in my heart. Jesus in my heart. I believe in your tender love for me. I love you. Say enough. Jesus in my heart. We have about 750 young girls in training, in religious formation. Jesus in my heart. I believe in your tender love. He loves you, and I love you. All right. Mother says if she knew what lay ahead when God called her, she would have hesitated. <laughs> Humanly speaking, you cannot explain it. And in spite of our weakness and our poverty, there's no worry for us because we know somehow, somewhere, things will be all right. I know some of you are saying, John, I'm not Mother Teresa, and I'm not Catholic, so how can I be a saint? It is Reformation Day, so I am going to take that step at reclaiming the sainthood of every believer today. That everyone is called to follow Jesus in such a way that we're able to pause with him and do just the simple thing. Thank him. Thank him. I have been transformed because I can see the simple, small changes God has done in me. I have been transformed. Everything in my life is different because of what Jesus has done for me. When we're willing to sit with Jesus, we talked last week about sitting in the rubble and receiving his love and a grateful heart comes out of that. This week, if we're willing to sit with Jesus and be thankful for the breath that we have, then we can look around and see, Lord, where else are you moving? What simple things do I have? How is that grateful heart ready to develop and pour out into others and grow? I have been transformed. Are you willing to say, I have been transformed because of what God's done in me? I know some of you here have come today and you're thinking, my life is not Instagrammable. I don't even know what Instagram is. God bless you. I know some of you are feeling like you don't have what you should have at this age or whatever. Your family isn't what you thought it would look like. Here is the Lord Jesus and he's saying, and I think we should hear it through Paul, wherever you're at, God helping you Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, 
and place it before God as an offering. And an offering is given with thanks. Let's reclaim this heart, this way of gratitude, and let God give us a grateful heart today. This morning, there was a group of people praying for you, and in faith, they reached out and said, I think God might be wanting to pray for a couple of specific people. I'll ask Destiny to come up in the worship team. You can help me during this time. Just give some music background so that people can get prayer. Someone whose bones need the healing life of Jesus. Someone that needs to hear, don't be fearful. What the devil means for evil, God will turn to good. And a relationship in your life that's grating. It's just grating on you, and it needs healing. We have right now a team, and we'll have teams ready to pray for you for any physical, emotional, or spiritual need. But I'd also like during that time, we have a cross in the back. Mylon's right there. And uh, I'd love for you to tear off that bottom portion that says, I've been transformed. That simple way that you recognize, I've been transformed. And there are pushpins there. If you'd be willing to just take that and put it on the cross. As, as these guys lead this song, take the time to reclaim that heart that God wants for you. That, that order from the Lord in verse Thessalonians that says, always be grateful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is another opportunity for us to do that. On your paper, would you write down or maybe draw what being transformed looks like to you? Put it on the cross, and maybe during the song as well, you might need to come for prayer. We're just going to take this time. This time of worship is for you to worship, pin something up, get some prayer. Would you stand with me as we do a lot? Maybe you need to sit down and write, however posture you need. Let's worship together.